Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Welcome to everyone today. <clears throat> Special thanks to uh, to Chris, who is up here leading vocally. She had all the guys uh, with helping support, but <clears throat> she was singing vocally alone. The uh, the others that were supposed to be singing today are sick. Uh, Pastor Stephen was supposed to be here, and he is sick today. Uh, last week, a week ago, uh, the day before his birthday, he had uh, knee surgery. He tore his meniscus, so he had knee surgery, and he was out for. Uh, that week, and he's out for this week. I don't know if you heard, this was pretty remarkable. He uh, tore his meniscus. There was a semi-truck that had lost its brakes. It was barreling down for a child that was in the middle of the street, and Pastor Stephen dove out into the middle of the street, not taking his own health into account, saved the child, but tore his meniscus in the process. That is a lie, completely uh, a lie. (laughs) He tore his meniscus standing up out of his recliner. That's how he tore it. And, um, you know, so we are making merciless fun of him as uh, doing that. But we miss him up here and we miss uh, him here today being sick as well. So hopefully he gets well soon. But thanks to Chris for leading all of that today. Today is our Thanksgiving meal. Uh, And I hope you're going to stick around and share that meal with us today. It's a good time of fellowship and food. Uh, This is kicking off the week to Thanksgiving, and the purpose of Thanksgiving is being thankful. It's to have gratitude, hearts of gratitude, mostly toward the Lord for what he has done, but also for the people that he has brought into our lives. Dr. James Dobson once said this phrase, and it's always stuck with me, that there are only three things that matter in life. Those you love, those who love you, and where you're going when you die. Everything else is details. Those are the things that matter more than anything. And Thanksgiving is a wonderful time to reflect on that and to remember that. And so I would encourage you to make this a week of gratitude, a week of celebrating, a remembering of what the Lord has done, and remembering those who you love and those who love you in the process as well. Today we are continuing this series of messages called God Is. If this is your first time with us today and you've not been in this series, I would encourage you to get on our website or our YouTube channel and watch the earlier messages. The purpose of God Is is to know God. What we have learned and discovered is that names matter. Names in the Bible matter. People's names were were given as a result of their character or their nature that they had. Names always revealed something about a person. It's no different with God. God's names reveal things about himself. God is a multifaceted God who is really unknowable But we can know him in glimpses because he has given us his word. He's given us his specific names to help reveal his nature, his character, his essential qualities. God wants us to know him. In fact, the Bible is filled with verses talking about that he wants us to know him. It says this in Psalm 100 verse 3, Know that Adonai, he is God. 
It is he who has made us. We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. God wants us to know him, to know all about him, not just know details about him, but to know him intimately and personally. And that's how God has created us, to know him in that way. So in this series, we have learned many things about God. First, we have met him as Elohim, that is the creator God. We met him as Yahweh, that is the promise-keeping God covenant-keeping God, the God who never changes. He, when, he, when he says something, it's true. He keeps his word. He keeps his promises. We met him as Adonai, that is master and Lord. He wants to be the Lord and the master over our lives, that we come to him in surrender, saying, God, I am all in and I am all yours, that you will be king of kings and Lord of lords in my life. We met him as El Shaddai, that is the almighty God, the immovable God, but also the caregiving God. That's who El Shaddai is. We met him as Yahweh Yira. That is the God who provides, the one who sees and the one who provides. We met him as Yahweh Nissi. The Lord is our banner. His banner flies over our lives. He is the one who we serve. We met him last week as Yahweh Shalom, the God who is our peace, the center of our lives. He provides wholeness to our lives, contentment to our lives lives, purpose and meaning to our lives. Today, we are going to meet him as one of the most important words, I believe, one of the most important names that we can know him as, and that is Yahweh Sidkinu, which means God is our righteousness. Let's pray as we dive into this today. Father, help us to understand that you are Yahweh Sidkinu, the Lord who is our righteousness. Today, Lord, I pray that we would understand why we need this so desperately. That without this name, we have no hope. That we need to have the righteousness that only you can offer to us in order to have eternity with you. That this is desperately important for each one of us in this room today. Help me to communicate in a way that's going to make sense so that we're not wasting our time, but we're hearing directly from you. We want your spirit to be here. We want you to be our teacher and our instructor, that you would show us your truth. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Protect us and help us to hear from you now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Have you ever tried to please somebody who it was impossible to please. Maybe you have a spouse like that. You've tried to please your wife, and it's, she's impossible to please. You've tried to please your husband. He's impossible to please. Will never be happy, will never be content, never satisfied about anything. If you're a student, maybe you have a teacher like that. You can't please your teacher. Or if you're a teacher, you may think the th same thing about your students. I can never please my students. They're never happy. No matter what I do, they're never happy. Maybe you have a boss like that. You can never please your boss. Or maybe you are that boss and you think, I can't ever please the employees. They're never going to be happy. All of us have had people in our lives that are hard to please, and we've tried to live our lives trying to please them. I don't know if you ever heard the story, you probably have, but the story about a husband and wife, they were getting ready, or she was getting ready for church on a particular Sunday morning. She was getting ready, getting herself ready to go to church because it was their, their weekly routine. They went to church every week. Her husband, though, was still laying in bed. 
She said, hon, you need to get up and get ready. It's almost time for church. Get up and get ready for church. She said, no, I've decided I am not going today. I don't want to go to church today. She said, oh, come on, get out of bed and get ready for church. It's time to go to church. He said, give me one good reason why I should go to church today. She said, I'll do better than that. I'll give you two reasons why you should go to church today. Number one, first of all, it is Sunday. It is the Lord's Day. It is the day that we go to honor him. He said to that, you're right, it is, but I don't like the church. They don't like me. I don't have any friends at the church. She said, okay, well, let me give you the second reason you need to get up and go to church today. The second reason is this, you're the pastor and you need to get up and speak today. <laughs> Trying to please people, it even falls on pastors thinking that we, don't, we can't please. We can't please anyone. People are always going to be unhappy. You may have people in your life like that. Oftentimes, people think of God in that same way. I can never please God. He is never happy. He is never satisfied. I will never be able to please him. We have that mentality and that mindset toward God that he will never be pleased with us. Well, today's message that he is our God of righteousness. He is Yahweh Sidkenu. He is the one who provides our righteousness. This is a good news, bad news sermon today. The good news is this, Psalm 146, verse 8, it says these words, the Lord loves the righteous. The Lord loves the righteous. But the bad news, against the good news that he loves the righteous, the bad news is this, Romans 3.10, it says there is no one righteous, no, not even one. So the good news, God loves the righteous. The bad news, that there is no one righteous. No, there's not even one person who is righteous. That is the bad news. The bad news is we are not righteous. The good news is that God has a name for that greatest need of our lives, the need to be righteous. Today's message is probably, his name is probably the most important of all of the names because without this name, personally, we have no hope and we have no future. So we need this name. Now, where does this name come from? It comes from the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6, it says this. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. Jeremiah, was a, uh, he was writing this, and the nation was a mess. The kingdom was divided into two. It had been divided after Solomon, his two sons, divided the kingdom. You had Israel to the north. You had Judah to the south. They had become wicked. They had gone astray. They weren't following God in any way, in any manner whatsoever. They let idolatry creep into the land. They were worshiping false gods, and it was just absolutely chaotic, and it was a mess. And Jeremiah came on the scene as a prophet, and he was warning the nation, saying there's going to be another kingdom who's going to come against our nation. They're going to wipe us out, and they're going to march us off into captivity. We're going to be taken over into what is modern-day Iran, into the Babylonian Empire. With that background, Jeremiah writes these words, and these are the words of God when he says this. Behold, days are coming. It is a declaration of Adonai when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. Now, what is David? David is a euphemism for the nation of Israel. So he's saying, when I will, there's a day that's going to come when I will rise up, raise up for Israel something phenomenal. 
By the way, this is a messianic prophecy, and it happened sometime between 580 and 630 BC, so it was about 600 years before Jesus came on the scene, roughly, and this prophecy is given where God says, I will raise up for Israel a righteous branch. What is the righteous branch? That is the Messiah, the coming Messiah, this coming Messiah, I will bring him up out of this nation, and it will be a future event that will happen. And he, the righteous branch, the Messiah, will reign as king wisely and execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, in the days of the Messiah, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called Yahweh Sidkenu, or Yahweh, our righteousness. To be in the presence of a holy God, a righteous God, means that we also have to be holy and righteous. The word Yahweh Sidkenu means, these, means this, it means the Lord our righteousness. It also means, though, that righteousness, and this is what righteousness means, it means to be made right or just. To be made right or just. We need to be made right or just in the eyes of the Lord. And so here's, the, here's how it works out. You have God over here who's holy and righteous, and then you have people on the other side of a great chasm who are unholy and unrighteous. If we want to be in the presence of a holy and righteous God, he, he requires us to be holy and righteous ourselves. Well, we're going to attack this message today with three parts. Number one, we're going to look at the problem. Number two, we're going to look at the solution. And number three, we're going to look at the results or the benefits that happen. So let's look starting at the problems, the problems. The problems are really summarized in a statement out of the book of Job. The book of Job, by the way, is the first book written in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that. It's the oldest book of the Bible. It happens right after the time of Noah. Job would have been on the scene not long after the time of Noah. And this is what is written in the book of Job. He said this, of God, dominion and awe are with him, God. God establishes shalom in his heights. Now, we learned about shalom last week. Can his, can God's armies be counted? The answer is no, it cannot be. Or on who does God's light not rise? Well, all of us around the globe have light rising on us every day. We have the sun. It, the sun rises every day. Everybody has light shining upon them. Then he asks this question. If that's what's going on, how then can a man be righteous with God? That's the bad news. The bad news is, how can we be righteous before God? How can one be born of a woman? How can one born of a woman be pure? If even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure, in his eyes, how much less man who is but a maggot, a son of man who is a worm? That is like tough statements. He just called you a maggot. 
he calls you a worm. Now, I thought that only happened like in basic training in the military that they would call you a maggot. That kind of hurts my feelings because haven't we been trained that you just need to have a positive self-image and think good about yourself and feel good about yourself? I need a safe place that I can process this because this is painful that he would call me a maggot. You see, outside of God, that's exactly who we are. Our self-worth does not come from a self-help book and thinking positive thoughts. Your self-worth comes from God when he has invaded your heart and your life. That's where self-worth comes from. So what is he saying? He's saying God is holy and righteous. We are unholy, unrighteous maggots, worms. That's bad. That's the problem. The problem is we have a holy, righteous God, and I am unrighteous and unholy. Well, I said problems. Let me show you the two problems. Number one, the first problem is this, that God alone is righteous. It's him and him alone. He is the only one who can stand on this side because he is the only one who's holy and righteous. It says this in the book of Isaiah. God says, turn to me, and be saved, all the ends of the earth. I'm God, there is no other. By myself, I have sworn, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and is irrevocable. That to me, every knee will bow, every tongue will swear. They will say of me, God says, only in Adonai, only in God, is righteousness and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. In Adonai, all the seed of Israel will be justified and will give praise. So what is problem number one? It is this, God and God alone is the only one holy and righteous. Mankind is not God, which is problem number two. Problem number two is this, my own attempt at righteousness is worthless to God. What is my own attempt to make myself righteous? That's called religion. Religion is where you and I try to earn our way to a holy and righteous God through our own self-efforts. We try to be good enough, do good enough, act right, thinking that I can move myself from unrighteousness to righteousness through my own attempts. That's what religion is. Religion is mankind's attempt to climb out of the pit to the holy God. Religion does not work. You cannot, by your own efforts, ever climb your way out of the pit and reach the holy God. Let me give you some examples of this. God gave the people in the Old Testament what was called the law. In Hebrew, it is the Torah. The Torah is what the majority of the Old Testament is about. The Old Testament is in talks about the law, the Torah, talks about the history, it has some prophetic things, talks about, uh, and there's some poetry parts of it. But the majority part of it is about the law. God gave the law. The law can be summarized in 10 statements. 
then the rest of the majority of the Old Testament is about those 10 statements being lived out in life or the rules and the requirements around those 10 statements. Now, we call those 10 statements the 10 commandments. If you want to be righteous, you have to keep all 10 commandments without fail, never, ever messing up or making a mistake. If you can do that, you can move yourself from unrighteousness over to the righteous camp. So what are the, what are the 10 commandments? Let's just quickly uh, talk about those. Number, let me just throw out a few of them, okay? Here's one of them. Um, <clears throat> one of them is do not covet, That's one of the Ten Commandments. Do not covet. Well, what is coveting, you may ask? Well, coveting is wanting something that somebody else has. Um, The thing that somebody else has could could be a spouse. It could be a car. It could be a house. It could be a stock portfolio. It could be a job. Multiple things. Could be a talent and an ability. And you look at them and you think, I want that. I need that. I have to have that. If you have ever done that, you have coveted. What does that mean? You've broken the law of God. If you have ever coveted, now you're unrighteous and you have no hope. Okay, let's take a simpler one. There's one in the Ten Commandments that says you should not bear false witness. What's another word for bearing false witness? It's lying. Okay, lying. Have you ever lied? I told a lie up here this morning when I said Stephen was brave and heroic. That's a lie. So, I told that lie. He is brave and heroic. I just want you to know, I love Stephen. He's phenomenal. So, I, I, I make fun, but anyway. I said, I, but I told a lie. Now, I said right away, no, I'm just kidding. That was a big lie. But that just makes me guilty. Have you ever lied? Think back to when you were kids. You ever lie to your parents? Parents, you ever lied to your kids? You ever lied to your spouse? You ever lied to your employer? Ever lied to your employees? You ever lied to your friends? Siblings? If you have ever lied, you are now unrighteous and you cannot get to the righteous camp. Now you are forever doomed. There is no hope. God says things like this, do not commit adultery. You may think, well, I've never committed adultery. I would never do that, okay? Jesus equates adultery in the Sermon on the Mount with lust. If you have lusted, you're guilty of adultery. Have you ever lusted? You ever lusted after someone? Looked at something you shouldn't have looked at? Had that heart that you should not have had? If you have, you're now guilty and unrighteous and you can't get to God. There is no hope. You ever committed murder? You may say, no, I never committed murder. Okay, well, Jesus equates murder with hatred of somebody. You ever hated somebody? You ever been angry? Jesus uses that language. If you've been angry, it's about the intent of your heart, then you are guilty and you have no hope. That's the problem. The problem is that my own attempt at righteousness is worthless to God. You ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Have you ever put anything ahead of God in your life? You ever created idolatry in your life? Now, you may think, well, I've never done idolatry because I don't have little statues that I'm worshiping. That's not what idolatry is. What idolatry is putting God last and putting something else into the place that you are worshiping. 
We do that in our society all the time. We worship money. We worship technology. We worship medicine. We worship actors and actresses. You worship people at times on YouTube thinking, I want to be like them. I want to be a YouTube influencer. If you have ever done that, you are now in the unrighteous camp and there is no hope. And God says that man's attempt at righteousness is worthless. Look what he says in Isaiah. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds, our attempts to reach up to God are like a polluted garment. Now, other versions of the Bible say filthy garment and the literal Hebrew word is describing menstrual rags. God says, that's what your attempt to reach up to me, acting righteous, looks like. We are unrighteous before God, unholy people who have absolutely no hope with a chasm between us, between God on one side and us on the other. I remember reading a story. Uh, The story was from many years ago. It was in La Junta, Colorado. And it was a story of a guy by the name of Lee Davis. Now, Lee Davis was a very popular DJ. He worked at a convenience store. He attended church regularly. Everybody in town loved him. His friends loved him. His neighbors loved him until the day that they found out that his name wasn't Lee Davis. His real name was Henry Andrews. He was a convicted murderer who had escaped a Georgia state pen many, many years ago. He was talking to his manager of the convenience store when he was arrested and said, you know, I feel like I have served my time already. Well, the answer to the state was, no, you haven't. Just because you think you have, you haven't. And they took him away for life for not only murder, but also escaping. Before God, we may think, well, we're justified. We, we don't deserve it. We've done our time. But God says, no, there's a holy penalty that has to be paid, and you are unrighteous, therefore you have to pay the penalty. Well, that's the problems. God alone is holy. I am unholy, and every attempt I make to be holy does not work because I have messed up and sinned too much. Any breaking of the law has disqualified me from God's presence. But here's the good news, that God has provided the solution. His solution is found in his name. And what is his name? It is Yahweh Sidkenu. And what does that mean? God is our righteousness. The solution is that God said and promised that in those days, I will raise up a righteous branch that all who trust in him can escape the punishment that they deserve. Yahweh Sikano provides a meeting at the cross. The cross is the most pivotal point in all of human history. It is the point of God's plan coming to fruition. It is God's essential plan being carried out at that moment of the cross. At the moment of the cross, God provided a way that unrighteous, unholy people could be in the presence of the holy and righteous God forever. Unrighteousness and unholiness deserves punishment. But God has decided that he would, in his incredible nature, as Yahweh Sidkenu, he would take our punishment and provide righteousness to us if we trust in him. There's an incredible psalm 
This is a prophetic psalm again. It was about, written about 520 B.C., so about you know, a little over 500, about 517 years before Jesus came on the scene. It was written about the coming Messiah. And it says this in Psalm 85, verses 8 through 12. Show us your mercy, Lord, Adonai, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God Adonai will say, for he will speak shalom, peace, contentment, fullness to his people and to his kadoshim. That means holy ones, to his holy people. But let them not turn back to sin, to folly once again. Once you've been set free, don't turn back to the things that you were set free from. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, so that glory may dwell in our land. Now notice these words. Loving kindness and truth meet together. Righteousness and shalom kiss each other. Truth will spring up from the earth and justice will look down from heaven. Notice these words. He says, loving kindness and truth meet. Where do they meet? They meet at the cross. Righteousness and peace meet. Where do they meet? They meet together at the cross. Truth will spring up from the earth, referring to the resurrection And justice will look down from heaven. And where are they going to meet at that intersection that is the cross? So what does all of this mean? Loving kindness and truth. Truth means justice. God as a holy God demands justice. I cannot let sin go unpunished. I cannot let unrighteousness be unaccounted for. It has to be punished. But at the same time, loving kindness, which is the mercy and the grace of God. I have to punish, but I love you people. So I will do something instead. I will meet it together at the cross, providing my son. He will take my justice, and you will get my loving kindness. What an exchange that is. That is incredible. He says, at the cross, my righteousness, my holy demands will be thrown upon Jesus and you will receive peace. Again, how amazing. God says, justice will look down. It demands punishment. And then truth will spring up. At the cross becomes the moment in time that God has said, I will take unholy, unrighteous people And I will bridge the chasm so they can be with me in holiness and righteousness forever. It is the greatest news of the Bible. If you don't have Jesus as the intermediary in your life, you are stuck in unrighteousness and you will deserve the punishment. We all deserve punishment. We all deserve eternity apart from him. We all deserve the punishment and wrath that Jesus took, but in God's loving kindness, he took the punishment for us. Albert Midling, who was a poet in Britain in the 1800s, said this, our sins were placed on Jesus's head. Twas in his blood, our debt was paid. Stern justice can demand no more, and then mercy can dispense her store. 
That is the picture of what happened at the cross. Paul says this in Romans 3. But now God's righteousness, his justice, apart from the law, the Torah, has been revealed to which the Torah and the prophets bear witness. That's what it said in the Old Testament. Namely, the righteousness of God through putting trust in Jesus, Messiah Yeshua, to all who keep on trusting. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are set right as a gift of his grace through the redemption that is in Messiah Yeshua. So what is, what is the ultimate solution? You have a holy, righteous God who demands justice and punishment. You have an unrighteous, unholy group of people, which is everyone, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We deserve punishment. What do we deserve? Hell, hanging on that cross, all of the pain and the suffering that Jesus went through, eternal separation from God forever. But he provided a solution. And the solution was this. Jesus would go to the cross on your behalf. He would take the punishment that you and I deserve. All of our sins are placed upon his head. The justice of God is satisfied in Jesus. And the love and the grace of God is given to us if we trust in him. If you do not trust in him, you will be under condemnation. If you trust in him, you will escape the condemnation and you will have the ability to be in the presence of the righteous and holy God. That's the solution. It's an amazing solution. It is a gift given. We're, we're about to go into the Christmas season and one of the greatest things about the Christmas season is that we could not reach God because we're in a pit and religion doesn't allow you to reach God, but he came down to reach us with his son to pull us out of the pit of despair that we are in. So that's the solution. The problem is we're unrighteous. The solution is he is the Lord of righteousness and makes us righteous if we trust in him. Finally, what are the results the results, you could say these are the benefits. And there's one prophetic statement made in Isaiah 32, again about the future Messiah, that gives us the benefits when we trust in Jesus' righteousness. When we trust in him and we are made righteous just by trusting in him, there's incredible benefits that happen. Let's look at these. And I want to point out these words. And we'll close with this, Isaiah 32. Then justice. Now, what is justice? That is the righteous God having justice. Punishment has to happen. We're not taking away the punishment. Someone has to be punished. His son was on our behalf. Justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness abate in the garden. The result of righteousness for you and I will be this. One, it will be Shalom. Now, we learned about that last week. Shalom is the peace of God, the contentment of God, the, the, the completion, the quit striving, the trusting in him. When you trust in Jesus, you start to feel a peace that you have never known before. There is a peace that surpasses all understanding when you finally 
trust him. When you trust in him, there will be a peace that invades your heart and invades your mind, despite what is going on around you, because it doesn't have anything to do with circumstances, that you will feel at peace with God no matter what. You can look forward to that day where you will be with him in eternity because there is a shalom that enters into your heart. The result of righteousness will be shalom. And the effect of righteousness will be things that you start to experience. One, you will start to experience quietness. You know what quietness is? If you have kids, you don't know what quietness is. Actually, it's not true. You can experience quietness even in a room that is loud. And there are people that do not have quietness even when it is silent all around them. Think about this with me. One of the things that tends to happen to people is that you are bombarded with voices that you hear. Now, I'm not talking about you have psychological problems hearing voices. I'm talking about you're just hearing these things whispered to you. Maybe they're shouted to you. Things like this. You are so inadequate. You're not good enough. No one likes you. No one will ever like you. How could you have messed up so much? How could you think that they would actually care about you? No one loves you. People will reject you. You'll never measure up to anyone. You ever heard any of those kind of messages flooding in the background of your life? When you come to trusting in the righteous God and you trust in his righteousness, all of a sudden, it's quieted. I don't have to worry about what people think. I don't have to worry about what people say. If the God of the universe finds me worthwhile enough to die for me, then I must be okay. There becomes a quietness to your life and to your soul when you trust in his righteousness. You will have shalom, a peace that is really defies understanding. You'll have this quietness and you will have a confidence. You know what the confidence is? It's like you get a spine donor. That's what happens. You get a spine transplant and all of a sudden now you have confidence in multiple ways. One, you can just attack those battles. You're not worried about the battles. You go head first in the battles because I go in the confidence of the Lord. You have an eternal confidence that you are trusting that I will be with God in eternity. That's my confidence. You have a confidence in social situations that, you know, I don't have to please people anymore. I don't have to worry about not measuring up anymore. I trust in the Lord and his might and his strength and his righteousness, and I have a confidence in my soul. He goes on to say this, you will have quietness, find confidence forever, forever. My people, God says, will live again in a peaceful place. Now, the peaceful, that's the shalom again. That's, that's eternity, You'll, you'll be there forever in a peaceful place. No more chaos, no more sin, no more tears, no more anguish, no more sorrow. It will be peaceful. It will be secure. And it will be a quiet resting place that you can finally rest. When Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you, that's rest. You can finally rest. I don't have to keep trying to earn my way to God. I can rest in his grace. This is Yahweh Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. We can't be righteous on our own. 
We are unholy and unrighteous without God. But he came and he met us at the cross. His justice poured out on Jesus and his love and mercy given to us. And we are required to trust in Jesus. And if we don't trust in Jesus and walk with Jesus, we don't have the righteousness that he offers. So today, do you know God that way? God is not only our Elohim, our Yahweh, our El Shaddai, he is our righteousness. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I pray that we would be trusting in you as the God who is our righteousness. You are the God who loves and cares for us. You are the God who values us, who wants to have a relationship with us, but your justice demands punishment. It cannot go unpunished. We have to have something experience the punishment for our unrighteousness and unholiness. And you sent your son to take our place that at the cross, loving kindness and justice met. That peace and righteousness kissed at that moment, that, that extreme moment in time where you gave your life for us. Lord, we are so grateful and thankful. And we are so blessed, Lord, that you were willing to send your son, your one and only son, that we could have life eternal with you. That whoever trusts in you, who believes in your name, will have everlasting life. I pray, Lord, that every one of us here would have that experience where we have trusted in you. And if there are any in here today that, or any watching today that have not accepted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, that this would be the moment that they say, I will put my trust in Jesus. I know in and of myself that I am unrighteous and unholy, but I will trust in Jesus for the salvation of my soul. Thank you, Father, for meeting with us here today. Thank you for loving us. And now bless us, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.